I'm Martin Shipton, Chief Reporter of Media Wales, and you're listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. Martin Shipton, I'm uh, today with Leanne Wood, who is the leader of Plaid Cymru. Leanne, I think everybody knows that you're from uh, the Rhondda, but some thing that sometimes puzzles people is why you come from an area where uh, they have traditionally weighed uh, Labour votes. You ended up working for, uh, for Plaid Cymru and then becoming eventually a, um, a Plaid Cymru politician. Um, yes, uh, I think that in the past, in some seats in the former coal field, um, Labour have had big votes. But in the Rhondda especially, um, there are people who are fed up with the status quo and they want a, a change. And um, my uh, election result in May 2016 was a reflection of that. And of course, a month later, a majority of people voted for, for Brexit. And it was part, in my analysis anyway, part of the same um, the part of the same movement. It's an expression against um, the status quo and uh, a plea for something different. Going back into history a little bit uh, on this theme of Labour support in the valleys, I remember quite a few years ago talking to David Wigley, uh, who of course was a councillor in Merthyr before he became an MP, and he said that one of the things that galvanised him was the petty corruption that took place at local council level, where uh, in those days I think you had a situation where uh, Labour councillors were allocating council houses to people and, and, and things like that, and there was a lot of nepotism, mm-hmm. jobs for the boys, that sort of stuff. Were you conscious of that when you were growing up? Uh, yes, in a, in a more kind of um, gossiped-about way. Um, but for me, the bigger issues with um, the Labour Party in the Rhondda were the dinosaur nature of the politics. So... Young people weren't welcome, women weren't welcome, there were sometimes homophobic comments made by people, and they just didn't come across as an attractive bunch of people to want to work with. Plus, um, they were actually quite right-wing on on many questions as well. And when I met people from Plaid Cymru, young people from Plaid Cymru, who were talking about socialism and international politics... They were sound, in my view, and um, that politics was very attractive, much, much more attractive to what was on offer from from Labour in the Rhondda, certainly. To what extent were you isolated at that time? I mean, obviously there were other people who were joining Plaid, but um, the great majority of people that you were living amongst would have been Labour. Did you ever feel a bit uncomfortable about that? No, because for many Labour supporters, in my experience, they are quite warm to Plaid Cymru anyway, and they quite like Plaid Cymru, and uh, many switch over in different elections and and vote for us in Plaid Cymru. And in the Rhondda, when I was starting out, um, I was part of a small core group of of Plaid Cymru activists who were very, very talented um, and fantastic mentors for me. So when I was first on the council, I was elected to Rhondda Cunnantaf Council in 1995. I was 25 years old. I was there with Jill Evans, Sid Morgan, 
Geraint Davis, Pauline Jarman, you know, to cut your political teeth with those um, exceptional politicians. And, you know, the group in Ronda Canantava at that time was so much better in terms of quality and calibre compared to the, the ruling group. Uh, it was a great place to, to learn to do your politics. And, of course, in 1999, Plaid Cymru had a majority in the council um, and, and we ran it for four years after that. So uh, I've never, ever felt isolated in Plaid Cymru in the Ronda there. We might be a small band, but we're a, a very good, united um, and high-calibre group of people, I think, if I say so myself. <laughs> and yet one of the things about Plaid is that uh, over the years and over the decades there have been in the valleys uh, moments when it's looked as if a significant breakthrough was going to be made, and there were by-elections uh, going way back, uh, weren't there, in the... In the 90s, yeah. 90s, and even before that, mm-hmm. in the aftermath of uh, Gwynville Evans's 1966 mm. by-election. That was before I was born, the 70s. I know. We <laughs> I have can't to remember a, that. You need to have a historical perspective. <laughs> sure. Um, and, uh, you know, they were at one time in control of Rumney Valley. Mm, uh, and yet, and Merthyr, of course, in fact, I, they were in charge of Merthyr when I was a postgraduate student in Cardiff back in the okay. late 70s. And yet... This sort of success has has never really lasted, and very often people have defaulted at the next election back to Labour. Why is that, do you think? Well, politics goes in swings and roundabouts, doesn't it? And different issues and um, different political waves hit at different times. And, you know, we never know when a surge of support is going to go towards one party or away from another party. I think the crucial thing is, is being ready to ride the wave when that time uh, comes and you know since I've been leader and it's six years next week I'm the longest serving party leader in the UK did you know Um, but I've been really clear about the need for party activists to to be organized to um, to be having conversations with people and to be ready um, when that wave comes thing is when you're saying this now it does actually, and I'm being a little mischievous here, I concede, but it reminds me of Jehovah's Witnesses because <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses were founded in, what, the 1840s? And they were always talking about the uh, end of the world coming within a few years. Uh, there are those who would say that Plaid Cymru is always talking about uh, real successes just around the corner. And, I mean, I remember, for example, going back to... 2011 and uh, having phone calls from Adam uh, Price uh, in which he was uh, trying to convince me that um, Plyde was going to win that election then in 2016 he was calling me and saying that you were going to be the first minister there was no doubt about it and yet these things don't happen um, leading I suppose to a bit of disappointment uh, amongst your ranks why is it do you think that Plyde never actually quite gets there well, you can't say never, because we have had um, successful elections. Um, it's a question of, for me, it's a question of reaching people and people having a full understanding of what it is we're all about. There are many myths out there about um, what people think about Plaid Cymru and a lot of the positions that people believe we hold are, are not uh, that position. And that's why this emphasis on conversations is so key. We can't, we don't have the strong enough media here in Wales to convey the positions of all the parties as I'd like to see it. Um, we have to do a lot of that work ourselves. I, you know, social media is is important, 
but individual conversations on doorsteps, town meetings. I'm in Bangor on Friday. Um, the last public meeting I did down in Portalbert had around 100 people there. And it's a great way to um, engage people. Um, and the more we do that, the more success we have. I remember talking, actually, it was last September, to Ron Davis. I did an interview with him uh, on the 20th anniversary of the 1997 referendum and was talking to him about uh, support for Plaid and of course he's been in Plaid and he stood for Caerphilly um, back in 2011 and what he said to me was that he found that when he was going around knocking on doors, uh, while there wasn't any active hostility, one thing that kept cropping up time after time was we don't speak Welsh and therefore Plaid is not the party for us. So however much Plaid may have tried to appeal to people who don't speak Welsh, there does still remain quite a myth around in certain quarters and in certain parts of Wales that essentially Plaid Cymru is a party for Welsh speakers. How do you overcome that? Well, um, I'll give you an example. I did a public meeting down in Abertavy the other day. and uh, Ardigan. <laughs> I had um, two young women uh, came and they'd never been to a political meeting before. The reason they came was because they were learning Welsh in the castle where the meeting was taking place um, as part of a, a job um, uh, creation scheme type thing. Um, and they said, um, we believed, we came to this meeting believing that it was going to take place in Welsh. We came as part of our course Um, And listening to what you've said about the position of the party on everything, you've made us realise that Plaid Cymru is about much, much more than we thought it was all about. So that tells me that we need to get out and speak to more people. The crucial question is, is how we get those people to the meeting in the first place. Um, And that's a challenge because people don't like going out in uh, cold nights especially. But if we can get people uh, to that point of having the conversation, it's quite easy to disabuse them of those myths and get them to the place where they actually want to actively support Plaid Cymru. I remember reading Mike Parker's very good book about his experience of being candidate in Ceredigion in 2015. And uh, there's a passage in there where he talks about the resistance that he and his team were facing from some more longer-standing members of the party in Ceredigion who were Welsh speakers when he uh, and his team tried to organise English language meetings for Plaid Cymru supporters. And for some in uh, Ceredigion, uh, Plaid, that was uh, anathema. Well, there are always debates about these kinds of questions, but meetings like that are really important to hold. You're listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. You've been the leader now since 2012, uh, Leanne. How would you characterise your style of leadership? That's a theoretical question, really, isn't it? I mean, I I try my very best to um, uh, lead in a collective way. I'm open. Um, I my door is always open. I'm always open to discussions about anything with anybody. Um, uh, I try to be fair, and I try to um, make sure that our processes are just and and uh, and fair to people and democratic. 
I think upholding the democracy of the party is something that's really important to me uh, as well. And, um, and I think that that approach is valued by Plaid Cymru members. I've heard uh, comments made parodying Oscar Wilde relating to the departure of two Plaid Cymru uh, assembly members from the group, uh, which is uh, that to lose one assembly member is a misfortune, to lose two is careless. Who do you dislike more, David Ellis Thomas or Neil McAvoy? This is not about personalities. For me, as leader, as I've just said, about upholding the democratic processes of the party, members of the party make the rules, and we're very democratic about that. I expect all members to abide by the rules that party has made and whether that's been made by all members or by a group of members who've been delegated the powers to make those rules the democracy of the party necessitates that we all abide by those rules otherwise it doesn't work we're all independents otherwise aren't we were you surprised when David Ellis Thomas left the party no why not because there'd been a pattern of behaviour um, indicating that he was increasingly distancing himself from Play Cymru and the party members. That's obviously something which has been happening for quite a period of time, as you perceived it. Why was he allowed to be the candidate in 2016? Well, candidate selection is a matter for members uh, locally. Um, there is uh, something maybe to look at in terms of, of that. Um, what I want is the people who stand for Plaid Cymru to be signed up to the mission that we'd all agreed on, the vision that we'd all agreed on, the manifesto that we'd all um, that the members of the party uh, create and uh, sign off. And you know, if people become elected on that basis and then choose to uh, to walk away from it, there's not much I can do. It's it's a matter for the members and um, it's the members of the party who hold politicians to account, of course. David Ellis Thomas is somebody who's been around for a very long time and uh, he's clearly, one might say, quite a major figure in Welsh politics. He has been for decades. Well, he was, I'd say. Well, he was. Well, he's, a, he's the minister now. He's never been a minister before. Um, there are those who have said to me from within Plaid Cymru that if he'd been managed better he would still be in Plaid Cymru. And I think what they mean is that when he had his um, chair taken away from him, that made it inevitable that he was going to leave the party because he's somebody who wants to be in a particular role, he wants to have some responsibility, and by consigning him to the back benches wasn't very clever because um, uh, it inevitably meant that you were going to lose him. Well, look, no matter how big people are or think they are, they have to abide by the rules uh, that are agreed by party members. And if and nobody's, nobody is bigger than Plaid Cymru, no individual, including myself, including David Ellis Thomas. You mentioned a few minutes ago that candidates are selected by local parties. Uh, there was a candidate who was selected by the Llanetli local party who wasn't allowed to be the candidate and that's created a huge rumpus in Llanetli. Uh, there have been quite a number of members of the party uh, resigning. There is, for example, a uh, man who was a long-standing councillor for decades who's decided that um, he, ha he has to leave the party. Um, the situation there is that people feel that you were responsible for imposing a candidate on them 
who had not won the selection process, who was a friend of yours. Um, what do you say in response to those points that are made by those people at Lettley? Well, first of all, before the selection procedure started, I hadn't met uh, Mary Arthur, um, so that's the first point. Secondly, um, the rules were broken. We select candidates locally, but they have to be selected from a list of people who've been uh, interviewed and gone through a process centrally. And what happened in Llanelli was that that uh, didn't happen. Now, I can't talk about this in any more detail than that because this is all subject to internal procedures. Um, but I will reiterate that rules are in place. They are created by the membership and everybody has to abide by those rules, no exceptions. But I think Sean Rees was told, you can't stand in Llanelli, but you could stand in Gower. Well, at that point, um, Llanelli was a, a target seat for us and so... In our target seats, we want the highest possible calibre of candidates. And that's why we have this internal process of, of interview. And we want to encourage young people, of course, to be able to um, to stand in elections, in winnable seats. But, you know, they have to be ready to do that as well. And we will support, you know, I'm already personally mentoring a number of, of young people with a view to them becoming candidates um, in the future. And, you know, we've got an ongoing process of trying to uh, encourage young people to come through. But they have to be selected by the rules. It didn't work out very well in Italy, did it? Because as things turned out, Mary was a distant third at the election. That was a strange election for us, though. Um, and, you know, the fact that it was called at very short notice, that there were local elections going on at the same time, that there was this polarisation going on at a, a UK level, it's difficult to read into any individual uh, election results and say that's what happened there because there was so much going on at, at a UK level. How would you describe the problems with Neil McAvoy? Um... It's pointless and silly, really. Um, I'm very keen for us to move on. We've been distracted by that. And um, we have so many positive policies, so many good ideas, so many discussions that we need to have with the people of Wales and our membership before 2021. Um, I'm keen for this distraction to stop now. Putting to one side for a moment the... Um, the content of that disagreement, wasn't there something enormously inept about the situation where Stefan Lewis, who we all hope is going to get better from this awful illness that he's got, has done some sterling work in drafting the continuity bill. Mm. Uh, in the very same couple of days that that was being announced, the group... Uh, the Plaid Cymru group at the Assembly decided to expel Neil McAvoy, meaning that something that the party was doing, which um, it's got a lot of credit for, and which the Welsh Government uh, has taken on board, uh, was completely overshadowed by this row involving one of your Assembly members. I mean, that's, that's just so badly managed, isn't it? Well, the timing was bad, I agree with you. But, you know, trust broke down um, on the part of the entire group um, uh, and uh, action had to be taken at that point. The, the timing was not of my choosing. Um, but, saying that, 
Yesterday, we had that very important vote um, on uh, the continuity bill. Stefan, as you rightly say, was the architect of that. It wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Stefan's work. And um, I'm really pleased that we got to the place where we did yesterday. And uh, it's good news for Plaid Cymru and for Stefan Lewis. Now, so far as the content of the disagreement with Neil McAvoy is concerned, he would say that this issue about the breakdown in trust that um, took place, uh, as members of the group said, stemmed from the subject access request that he made to find out what the complaints against him were, because he wasn't actually aware of what the complaints were against him. And therefore, because the party had refused to give him details of what these complaints were from people uh, largely outside the party, he uh, had to find out, and therefore he used the Data Protection Act to do so. Why wasn't he informed, and why has he still not been informed of all the complaints against him? The, it's important to separate out the complaints that are with the party and the process that's going on there, which I have nothing to do with, um, and what's happened within the group. Completely um, separate issues. Um, the members of the group are not aware of the complaints or what's happening with them. Um, what the group is aware of is the day-to-day actions um, and the way that we interact with each other. And you have to have trust. You can't operate um, as a group of people um, in any walk of life or political organisation unless that trust is there. And on the part of all of us, that trust had broken down um, with our one particular member. You're a friend of Neris Evans, yes? Yeah. One of the complaints against Neil McAvoy uh, comes from Neris, who is a director of the lobbying company Derrin. And in that complaint, she refers to a number of stories that I wrote uh, relating to the company Derrin, uh, in which uh, Neil McAvoy was quoted as critical of Derrin. And we know, don't we, that um, Ofcom, for example, decided after an internal investigation that the complaints that Neil McAvoy had made uh, about um, the way in which that contract was awarded to Derrin uh, was valid because uh, Ofcom had actually broken its own procurement rules by awarding this contract without going to tender. So um, he, uh, Neil McAvoy, was raising perfectly legitimate uh, matters of concern to him and to others. Um, Neris Evans, in her complaint to the party about Neil McAvoy, uh, outlines these stories that were written and says to the chair of Plaid Cymru, and I paraphrase, you should rein this man in, and that in future, if he has any complaints to make about my company, he should uh, make them uh, via the leader and the chief whip of Plaid Cymru, uh, and that then this matter should be referred uh, to Derrin for them to make any comments before he makes any comments in the public domain. Um, isn't it extraordinary that you have a situation here where a lobbying company is telling a political party how to manage one of its own elected representatives? 
I can't speak on behalf of Darren. Um, I have a friend who is a director in a company. I have other friends who work in schools, and I've got a friend who works for the Ministry of Defence. I've got no connection with those organisations other than I know somebody who runs or works in them. I don't know what connection there is between what you've just said and, and my role or Plaid Cymru's role. Well, uh, I, can't, I can't defend what somebody else has written in a complaint. I mean... No, the, the fact is that you're the leader of Plaid Cymru, uh, Leanne, and that this complaint, which was made by Nerys Evans, your friend, um, a year ago, is still outstanding. And the complaint comes from a lobbying company to the political party, Plaid Cymru, telling it that it ought to be reining in one of its elected members. You've got to ask the person who wrote that, haven't you? Not me. Well, you're the leader of the party, which has taken this seriously. But I haven't received that information myself. That's a complaint that's gone to um, the membership and disciplinary panel, um, and and I can't be asked to defend or explain the meaning behind the words that a complainant has written. I, I, I can't see how I can do that. What are you asking me to do here? Well, the thing is, when Neil McAvoy was suspended from the group... Mm. Uh, you didn't adopt this um, Pontius Pilate attitude, saying it's nothing to do with me, because you actually wrote emails to people who had complained about the way uh, he had been dealt with by the group, in which you uh, made criticisms of Neil McAvoy and said that he was difficult to work with, etc. Ah, right, OK. So when some members um, contacted me to uh, ask for information about the reasons behind um, uh, the suspension from the group I in trust uh, outlined some of those reasons uh, I was a bit um, uh, upset really that the trust was broken by those members and they went to the press about it I thought I was able to have private conversations with members of my party clearly uh, in some cases that's not the case That's a bit naive isn't it Leanne? You've been around long enough to know that people are going to leak things Well uh, clearly people are leaking things there are leaks going on all the time, as we know. It's not helpful, though, is it? may not be helpful to you, it's helpful to the likes of me. I know it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, OK, let's look at the prospects for Plaid now. Uh, so you've got four MPs, which is as many as you've ever had, but in a sense you won two of those seats by the skin of your teeth. You still won them more. You still won them, but had... 200 people voted uh, another way, you wouldn't have won them and you'd been down to two. And if, if 200 people had voted the other way in 2015 in Anglesey, yeah. we'd have had four then as well. Yeah, although last year you were a long way behind in Anglesey, you were third behind the Conservatives. But in 2015 we burned. That's true. It was 200 votes, in it? Yeah. So where do you see things going? I mean, in a sense, it must be a bit frustrating for you because... We're not due to have another election until 2021, so that's more than three years down the line. What are you going to do as the party leader in the period between now and then? You, you had your uh, keynote speech in the middle of January, Leanne, mm. in which you were setting out some broad themes. But what can you do to, um, to galvanise your own party members to overcome uh, this conflict that exists within uh, various factions within the party over some localised issues, uh, perhaps, that we've spoken about. How do you get through that? How do you overcome that? And how do you, uh, by 2021, have a party that is ready to take charge of Wales? 
The key thing for me is to try and engage as many people as possible in the debate around the future of our nation. And that was the point of the publication that I wrote uh, and launched in January. And that's the point of the series of public meetings that I'm involved in now. Um, explaining the ideas and the values in the pamphlet. It's not a completed vision. It's not a completed uh, programme. But it's the beginnings of it. And in, and in the debates that we have in, um, I'm getting incredibly positive feedback and people can see that Plaid Cymru is able to offer an alternative to some of the dark and divisive politics that's happening at a UK level. And if we can empower ourselves and get more people involved in the democratic process, then we can create a programme of government for 2021 that is even better than the one we put forward in 2016, which was truly excellent in my view. Beyond that, then, we need to communicate those ideas uh, and engage a, a wider group of people uh, with those. So that's the task. The task now is building up and ensuring that the members of Plaid Cymru um, are fully au fait with the contents of the, the document, are able and confident to uh, explore those ideas with people, then to feed them back into the process so that we can build our manifesto for 2021 in a way that is um, inclusive and brings as many people in, on board with the process as possible. This is the aspect of politics that I like best, getting out um, to discuss politics with people in their own communities. And um, so far, it's going very, very well, and I'm really looking forward to the meeting I've got on Friday. And yet, what is overshadowing everything, really, is Brexit, because uh, the vast majority of economists say mm. that Wales is going to come out very badly, particularly if there is a hard Brexit, but it'll even be damaged if there is a yeah. so-called soft Brexit. So how can you say that you're going to be able to have a programme in 2021 which is going to improve the economy of Wales when all the indications are from the economic experts uh, that things are just going to get worse? Well, we've got to make the best fist of whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. But what I'm absolutely clear about is that after 20 years of Labour running um, this devolved institution, and on pretty much every indicator, things have either stagnated or gone backwards, um, we do need a government in the turbulent times that are ahead uh, who are prepared to um, put in place a programme which is ambitious, as ambitious it can, as it can be within the circumstances, um, and is all about building the nation. And um, what we don't have at the moment is is that government. We would see in a government that is tired and ambitious, caught up with internal matters, um, and has taken its eye on the ball. And that's why I think that um, it is imperative that as Brexit... Uh, happens, whichever way it does happen, and we're still really unclear about that, that we've got a government in place who can make the best with um, with the tools that are available at the time. And yet Plaid Cymru, unlike the Liberal Democrats, has not come out in favour of another referendum. Mm. Why is that? Well, we believe in democracy and people were asked a question and um, we might not like the answer that they gave, but we have to respect that. Um, I do think that there's room for, um, for looking and thinking about whether or not there does need to be a way of asking people their views on the final terms of the debate. Um, and that's something that we'll continue to, to discuss. Um, and I think as time goes on, things might uh, change. But what, what I want to see um, 
is a conversation in Wales about our future. It's it's quite easy to see um, what that debate looks like in Scotland, what that debate looks like in the north of Ireland. Um, what happens to Wales? There's still very small support for outright independence, isn't there? According to opinion polls. There is um, uh, support for more powers um, and if you add together there was a recent poll wasn't there just last week um, the St David's Day poll if you add together the people who want more powers with the people who want um, independence then we can see that there's a, a majority in favour of a particular direction of travel and that there's a lot of room there for, for Plaid Cymru to, to work on I think This is one of those years when there is the possibility of uh, somebody else challenging you for leadership there are rumours going around about possible challenge. I've heard it suggested that uh, Reen Nabiorwith might um, announce that he's planning to challenge you. We'll have to wait and see about that. Um, it's even been suggested that Neil McAvoy, if he's still in the party, might seek to challenge you. How would you uh, cope with that? I really enjoyed the leadership um, debate that we had in 2012. I thought it was uh, a great way to engage people. We saw new members join, new activists get involved and, you know, leadership elections are a good opportunity to discuss the issues that are causing contention um, and, and find some sort of resolution to those. So if there is somebody who wants to challenge, that's uh, absolutely fine um, by me and I look forward to the debate. In the next election in 2021, mm -hmm. Uh, how confident would you be of winning Rhonda for a second time? Confident, um, not complacent, uh, but I think that the, the feedback that I'm getting from people in the Rhonda who I'm supporting and helping on a day-by-day -day basis is very, very positive, and I hope to, to build on that and and make sure that um, that I keep the seat for Plaid Cymru. Thank you very much, Leanne. Diolch. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Martin Shipton Meets. We'll be back for more next week.